I think we've all become phenomenally good at identifying all the problems that we see around us and all the things that aren't working. And we're still in the why stage in general. Like, why is it the way it is? I I just can't believe how many people still keep asking that question instead of like, how do we shift? And so I'm just, it feels like we're at the tip of the iceberg of people starting to ask that, oh, okay, so yeah, that's not working. How might we do things differently? And then there's that whole, oh, do I have to change my behavior? (laughs) I don't want to do that. I just want like different results. This is Design Influence. I'm Isabel Swiderski. I met Vicki Saunders in Vancouver sometime in 2015 when she was just kicking off CEO, which is now known as Coralis. At the time, I was running quarterly long table dinners designed for women to connect over a meal and grappling with some persistent questions around economic power and mobility, particularly for women, racialized and queer and non-binary folks. Not much has changed in those seven years, I think, in terms of the amount of capital going to women, and it's still the world's worst-kept secret that building a more equitable economy is not on everyone's list of priorities. This isn't to say that there are not a myriad impactful, innovative solutions out there to tackle this very issue. Just that change is slow and painful and still, as we know, woefully inadequate. So how might we do better? Coralis is a global community of activators. It now operates in five countries, and through the annual contributions of individual activators, it provides interest-free loans and, crucially, a community of support to ventures led by women and non-binary folks. Over 140 ventures tackling the world's to-do list have been taken in and gone on to grow their impact. So what does it take to imagine and build a new solution for women to fund each other? And how can we show up? What are our responsibilities as individuals or organizations committed to social justice to not only acknowledge these tools for building a more equitable economy, but actively supporting their expansion and adoption? I mean, I think I've always been working on the same thing um, as I sort of look back over the red thread, which is how do you create the conditions, like the environment for people to thrive? Like what kind of... Uh, container do we need to create that brings out Isabel's best, that brings out Vicky's best, that allows us to get there. And so uh, a lot of focus around the culture and the environment has been a real thing for me, partly just because I experienced this crazy moment. I was in Prague right when the the wall fell down and witnessed like an entire society flip a switch overnight from I'm not free and there's a tank in my country to I'm free. Like tank drives away, everybody flips a switch. And everyone starts dreaming. What am I going to do now that I'm free? And every conversation was that when I was there for weeks and weeks. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm free too. What am I going to do? When you're already in a place where you're quote unquote supposed to be free, like you don't necessarily feel that, but I got like switched on with that. And so I like, um, why is it? Because then I came back to Canada in the 90s. Um, early nineties and everything was like super conservative, really locked down, start with a pilot. Every idea is too big, (laughs) keep it small. Um, And I had come from this place where it was just like, oh my God, anything is possible. Who do you want to be in the world? And so how do you, how do you create those conditions? Like, what do you do to create that environment? So I've been, I've experimented for basically 25 years uh, with a whole bunch of different approaches to that. 
dealing with young people, dealing with tech and innovation, and then women. The reason for CEO was that I, I had, I mean, being a woman in the world, so that's the starting point, <laughs> living in a world that's not designed by you or for you, uh, and having spent quite a bit of time getting told through my whole life what was wrong with me uh, and how I needed to do things differently. And so I was kind of pecked to death uh, around all those things. Thank you very much. I know all those things. Don't need to hear it again. Appreciate it. Like the fix women kind of vibe that's out there. You know, hey, if you're not getting funding, if you're not uh, getting to where you want to go, that's on you, sister. You need to change yourself and fit into this structure. And so there was all the way through, I've been like, none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. We need to redesign it. So after many, many years of like really critically looking at the systems and structures we're in, I was like, forget this, like stop trying to fit into this thing, go create the new one. And then how do you do that? And I had been having conversations for literally a couple of decades and experimenting a lot with like, how would you do that? And so the design for CEO came through deep consultation and like hundreds and thousands of conversations over the years with people about how you would reboot this thing that we're in. Well, and that certainly has been visible in, in how the organization has evolved, right? In 2022, you renamed to Coralist. Tell me a little bit about that, that experience and, and, and that process. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, we did everything you're not supposed to do. Uh, let's just start there. So we changed the name of our organization with our community, which any branding person starts to pull out their hair going, what? That's not a good idea. Um, but that's kind of us. We are, we really sort of throw things out to the community. We're all about transformation. So having the conversation of how to like shift from what the name is now to what it wants to be is a collective experience, uh, in, in my mind. So we like went on a whole journey with this. We worked with some branding people and they did lots of interviews and did the sort of like normal thing you're supposed to do. And then we came back with three names and our community like resoundingly, declined on all of them. <laughs> don't like this. Don't like that. And we're like, okay, back to the drawing board. Um, and the fun part was that I had been set to go on sabbatical and for sure, I thought we'd have the name changed by the time I left, but it wasn't. <laughs> so I looked at the team and I'm like, who wants to lead this while I'm gone? And they're like, what, why don't we just wait till you're back? And I'm like, no, like I trust you. I trust the community. So sent out a note to everybody just saying, Hey, I'm doing a big trust fall over to you to figure this out. And so there's just a, we have the whole process uh, documented online that people can go look at it, how we did this, the names that were suggested, the process we went through. The sort of summary for me coming back into this gift of a new container, essentially, was the shift from CEO, which was very focused on like the individual and individuals helping individuals, to Coralis, this mm -hmm. like colony, this community uh, that's about regeneration. And it's about a small entity, only 1% um, of the matter on the earth is coral, but it creates the conditions for 25% of life to exist. And so this small little thing has this huge impact. It can turn tides, it can regenerate itself, like what we're seeing in the Great Barrier Reef right now. And so, and it has all of its separate organisms that are unique connecting and collaborating with each other. So it was a beautiful container and it was like, this is now about the collective, not about the individual, which is what we have really learned over time. Right. Well, in speaking of regeneration and your trust fall, how, how did you decide it was time for you to hit the pause button? I just started to feel like I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore. <laughs> you know, one of those, like, I really need a break. I, I've been working, I mean, 
this has been for sure the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, uh, getting this community going at, by a long shot. And, and why um, do you think? 24-7. Yeah. People, you know, people are hard. <laughs> um, and, you know, building community is a really challenging thing. Uh, and building community while you are doing something really counter cultural counter narrative to the existing narrative in a, in a, like with a giant marketing machine of like telling everybody that you have to raise money to do anything, that it's all about winners taking over everything that it's like, you need to know everything. You have to work 24 seven to succeed. We're literally the opposite of all of those things, uh, in what we were doing. And we were disrupting power in our model by having everyone be the decision makers of where the capital goes. We were doing 0% interest loans, which was countercultural. Like everything about it, every single part of what we did in our design was almost the opposite of what we do in the world. <laughs> so I stood in front of thousands and thousands of women over the last seven years, you know, mountain energy, solid, uh, with a lot of experience and just, you know, let all the questions come answered the questions, no defensiveness, no convincing, just like, you know, this is another way of doing it. If you'd like to experiment, if you've ever thought the world could be different, come on this journey with us and let's see what it's like. And if you want me to convince you of why that's not risky or why we're doing it that way, that just don't come, you know, and it was, uh, but I, I've had like thousands of conversations with people trying to fit this into their mental model of the existing world. And, you know, it took me quite some time to realize, like, that's just a losing proposition. It's painful. It's exhausting. And then, yeah. Oh, so it's a this, you know? Oh, so it's microfinance. I'm like, yes, and? And, it, oh, so it's crowdsourcing. Oh, yeah. Like, everything, everyone needs to put it in a bucket to feel comfortable to step off, you know? Or a lot of people do. Do you think, then, that part of the success is that the there's a self-selection that occurs in, in that people who come in? Massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really huge thing like this, um, $92 a month being a bar for people to step over. Um, and like, we're trusting, like we're going to put our money in each month and, and like share it with lots of other people that are doing that. And then we're going to trust everyone to collectively decide well, where that money should go and trust the entrepreneurs that we don't know who they are yet, uh, with great ideas, trust they'll show up they'll pay this money back and it will keep revolving forward. Like there's a bunch of trust moments, trust. And you kind of have to trust yourself mm -hmm. to walk into that. Yeah. And so that bar of entry, um, people were always trying to remove it. It's too high. Not everyone can afford it. I'm like, we're not looking for everyone. We're looking for people who actually really want to create the economy of the future. If you don't have $92 a month to experiment on something, then keep, you're upholding the existing thing. Over to you, fine. But like, we're here to take a tiny little wee bit of what we've got and see if we can create something that's like magical and different to show what's possible. And uh, because of that bar, as low as it is, high as it is, depending on your perspective, uh, the community's like super high quality. Like they're trusting, you know, we have a trusting group of people who are up for kind of anything. We've, we've transformed and changed what we're doing so many times internally, right? Added new things, taken things away. And people are just like, okay, all right, we're up for it. Let's try it and see how it goes. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's try something else. That's a delicious spot to be in versus here's the value proposition of what you're going to get for your money. And, and like, I don't want to deal with people in that way of like serving you. We're not here to serve you. We're here to collectively like figure out together. 
um, it's a very different kind of vibe. So that's a very good point. And it makes me think a little bit of the conversation we were having the other day at, at the event that you had in Ottawa around the trust in the entrepreneurs and sort of how entrepreneurs as well self-select to apply to become a Coralist venture. Have you seen a shift in that? Yeah. In the initial days, uh, it was very much like about the money. I'm applying because I need money. I desperately need money to do my thing. And increasingly, we're seeing people that are like, oh, this is an amazing community to be part of. Whether or not I get selected as one of the ventures, I want to be in this community entrepreneuring together because it's easier. Because in this community, people are excited to help women and non-binary folk to do what they're here to do. And so they want to be your customers and, you know, et cetera. And so we, I think that that message has gotten out broadly in the five uh, regions around the world where we operate. And increasingly, we have people become activators first to build up their business, to get to the $50,000 level, uh, to get to know people, to experience this, and then they apply, which is amazing. I love that we've, that it's gone that way. And then people, uh, if they don't get selected, become activators, and then they get involved in the community. And maybe they are a couple of years later. Like it's, it's been really interesting to watch that evolve. I love how you're creating a systems level solution. And to your point about people embarking and trusting, and I think shifting that mental model of if we want the systems to be better, we have to redesign them. And that means we can't accept them as they are. And I think that's a leap sometimes that people are not ready to make. So having a different way to invite them in is, is really lovely. Are you seeing any difference in the types of businesses that, that folks are leading? Such a good question. I, I mean, it's every year for the, like the, for about the last three years, uh, I've been asking consistently. Uh, I mean, people aren't going to be able to see this on the podcast, but I have a, a big wall of cards of all of our ventures behind me, 140 plus of them just to, and I stare at that every day and ask this question, what are you trying to tell us ventures? <laughs> what is this community, this like mini economy, alternative economy we've created trying to tell us about what the future could look like. So I think about that a lot. And then I'm like, what's not here? What is here? And, uh, you know, we are collectively deciding each year who we are going to put the capital into the hands of as temporary custodians who will then use it to do whatever they're going to do with their businesses and pay it back. So the next one's coming along, get it. This like revolving flow. And there are bits of themes that sort of come up. You're like, whoa, you know, we have a bunch of people focused on wellness this year. Oh, we have like, we see kind of trends like that. Um, but in general, I think that we see this sustainability as a sort of key group. Uh, there's a whole group focused on inclusion. And so who have not been at the table to lead organizations uh, and lead with that culture built in. So there's an inclusive piece. There are folks that are deeply in the weeds with a systems transformation idea. So that's another sort of crew. And then there's a group of what we would call sort of systems tech, um, have a sort of technology focus around uh, creating new platforms, et cetera, for systems to, to democratize essentially. So kind of those four buckets. Um, and then within that, of course, like every single sector is sort of crossed. Um, and so are we missing anything? I mean, I think if you're, if you're something that needs uh, like a ton of venture capital, you don't come to us because it's a hundred thousand dollar zero percent interest loan roughly. That's not the right kind of capital. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, 
top line. So with that variety, and aside from the capital, um, have you seen as well an, an evolution of the type of support that founders need? So, you know, I think when I look at the kinds of ideas that are coming forth that people are working on, more than anything else, like people will come in with a certain idea around something. And then when they get into this community, almost immediately you start to see ventures hearing about, oh, you've got a way to do zero waste in your model. Oh, I, can I learn about that so I can do that? Oh, you've got a way to do more inclusive hiring. How did you do that? And can I learn from it? So I, it's more like we get sometimes people with ideas of what they want to do, and then they get into the community and it, they start to transform a little bit how their business is working, which is kind of interesting because there aren't a lot of places out there that have like the business models of the future that are training people to think really different about how to do business. And we have a lot of examples in here and it, it becomes sort of like you're now in a different water um, and that starts to influence how you operate. There's just a lot of collaboration going on. And so like that's a what happens once you get in kind of thing. Like almost everybody who says, I want to use you know the money for this or here's what my things are, that changes in the first three months of being in this community. Because you're in a place where you're mostly doing stuff on your own, kind of disconnected, and you walk through the door and all of a sudden you've got like this parade of people who want to help you and are offering to help. And it, it's a bit like overwhelming for some people. If you're like, where do I even start? You know, I have 32 people that said they wanted to help me after they voted and you get this little list. And so the coaches work really closely with these ventures to see what they need to help them not get overwhelmed by stuff. But then when you start to realize, oh my God, there's a person who's a senior exec at company X that I'm trying to get into who will open a door for me. You go from uh, how might I get into that company to I just got a three-year six-figure contract. And it's a completely different world. Like that's an example that happened within six months of being in this community. And so it's, it's very much in flow. And I, you know, I wish I could say here, are the top three things adventures are always struggling with, but it's really, really unique and really individual based on the stages of people are at. But I mean, as we were talking about before, the biggest thing that we see over and over is financial literacy and this, um, this real ability to understand your business, understand the margins that you have, understand how to, you know, make money, not make money. Um, and really looking deeply at that. And a lot of people who don't have that skill set avoid learning about that skill set because they feel, you know, like that they don't understand it. So that's that's a hard one. I love the example that you used a second ago. And because I'm wondering what you think the role of corporates might be in designing or facilitating the acceleration of the adoption of the new economy. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of evidence of you know, like, uh, I can't, there's some really good quotes about this, but like the people that get to top of an organization are the least likely people to change the organization because they know how to get to the top. Um, and I, you know, I see a lot of inertia, um, inside existing organizations. People want results to be different, but they don't really want to change their process. So, and, and I'm like, that's in general, that's what I see. And then there are great examples here and there of, um, Really, people really trying. It's more of a one-off kind of thing. Like we have a bunch of relationships with great people inside companies who are finding ways to remove barriers for people who keep getting stuck in the existing processes. That's wonderful to see, but that hasn't really trickled out to a whole system changing yet. 
Right. Well, and we certainly see that in generally in investment in women-led and non-binary folk-led ventures, right? That we keep talking about as though it's this given that everybody thinks that it's a good idea to fund diverse founders. Is it partly to the way that to your point, we're still so focused on the problems that even though there's a myriad solutions, they're not being featured so that there's less of an opportunity perhaps to do what you just described, which happens within the community is to say, oh, you're, you've already solved this problem. How do I learn about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think it's the only way, right? We need to focus on what is working instead of what's not. And we're very trained to notice what isn't instead of what is, almost everyone can answer what they're not good at versus what they're good at. <laughs> you know, like it's just, we're very trained to, on the deficit versus the asset. Uh, so it's a whole like unwinding to get yourself to focus on what is working. Um, you know, it's quite easy to wake up every morning and read the paper and go, oh my God, everything's like a nightmare. Ah. Uh. Well, because the news cycle uh, is, that's what it's based on. Yeah. It's based on crisis. So right. if there's no crisis, there needs yeah. to be some kind of fabrication. Right, and it also, by focusing on the crisis and distracting us from our power, uh, the mm -hmm. system stay the same, um, and no one has to change, um, and more and more misery. <laughs> like we're in this like crazy cycle. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I have this whole practice every morning of like getting up and writing a list of like signs of hope. What are the things that happened yesterday that give me hope and really starting there so that I'm, um, tuned up for like the other kind of yucky, messy stuff that comes your way that is, makes you feel like you don't have any power, uh, and you can't do so would this give you hope then? Oh my God. Today. Like, you know, seven phone calls a day <laughs> uh, when I'm reaching out, when I'm sp speaking with people like you who care about these things and are showing up in this community and using your power and your influence to support those who you're passionate about. Um, for people that are taking action um, around things that they see that are injustices that they'd like to shift, for ventures who are envisioning new ways of doing things and grinding every day through the hard like blocks that get put up in front of them. Um, all of, all of that. I just, anybody who steps outside their comfort zone to envision and be part of creating a better way that gives me hope. And that's, that's my bubble. I'm in that bubble every day. So I feel very blessed. Speaking of comfort zones, you have been very transparent as an organization in building a diverse and inclusive community. Was there a turning point for you? Uh, was there a moment? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, it's been a whole thing, uh, being a leader in this time. So after, um, so we're in a number of different countries, Canada, US, New Zealand, Australia, and the UK. And around the time of uh, George Floyd's murder, uh, we had, a, I got an email like the next day from uh, one of our black women entrepreneurs in the US and she said, what are you going to do about this? And I had this like full body, oh my God, I have no idea. So I said, what should we do? And she said, you need to do deep racial justice work in your community. Love what you're doing and you need to do the work. And I said, okay, let's do that. What do we need to do? And she said, I don't usually do this work because it's incredibly challenging. She'd done it in the past, but she said, I really care uh, about what you're doing at CEO at the time. Coral is now. And so we launched on this huge global racial justice working group uh, program and did a lot of work. I mean, I remember the very first call where she presented herself and said, here's what's visible about me and went through a story. And then here's what's not visible about me 
And it was this kind of revelatory, wow, like just the judgments we make about people that we see and what story we make up about them. And then she had everybody go into these groups and introduce themselves from what's visible about you and what's not visible about you. It was so beautiful. Um, And then we just, we did a lot of work over the course of a year. And then um, Echo Alec, an Indigenous uh, woman from Canada who's incredible, did a whole Rooted in Your Story series or help us really look back at our ancestry and what we've brought along with us. So we've done a lot of work in this space. At times, it's been incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I I would say that was a a key um, issue um, that got us moving. And then just prior to that, at the uh, global summit that we had the day before the pandemic was announced, um, I, you know, we do land acknowledgements at the beginning of our events. And I was looking for someone to do a land acknowledgement at this big event. We had 800 people coming. And for whatever reason, universe, thank you very much. I could not find an elder (laughs) to do that. Um, And we have quite a few amazing indigenous women in our community. And they, I asked them for help and they just looked at me and they're like, you need to do this. And I'm like, what me? I can't do, like, I've never done a land acknowledgement. And they're like, exactly. You need to do the land acknowledgement. And I'm like, won't people think that that was just, I couldn't get someone. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, this is the allyship we need. You need to do this. And I remember crying a lot. (laughs) I was really freaked out about having to do it. Um, It was very scary. uh, And I was worried about like what people would think for a white woman doing this land acknowledgement. And I can still feel it in my body. It was like really intense. And so I wrote this thing and then I checked it out with them and they're like, yeah, it's beautiful. Do it. It's fine. Everything you're saying is fine. (laughs) Uh, and then I got up on stage and I was shaking when I was doing it and I was sort of reading it with my head down and I looked up partway through and all the indigenous women in the room were standing up. Oh, oh, I lost it completely. It was so beautiful. Um, and then that set the tone every single call after that we did land acknowledgements and everyone in the community started to offer to do them and practice it. That was amazing. So like, let's get into our discomfort because I, you know, led by doing so. And lots of other people were like, yeah, we need to do this, even though it's hard. So, Obviously, you're always shifting. What does success look like right now for Corollis? Breathe. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, uh, it's, there's so much going on for so many people. It feels like deep inside of us, we're all transforming. There's like anger and release and frustration with the way things are and exhaustion and too muchness of everything. Um, and it just feels like a real moment to slow down, to breathe through this, to simplify uh, all of our programming. We picked up a lot of, we did a lot of stuff during COVID, a lot. And the community, we were on calls regularly. I think, I mean, we were doing 10, 12 calls a week in different places around, like it was just very, very intense. And so we've really slowed that down uh, and we're getting back to the core uh, of why we're here. 2023 will be um, a simplified version of what we've been doing, probably a call a month, like really just quiet it down uh, and focus on what really matters and change the pace up so that we can all breathe. There's just too much going on in our lives um, and nobody needs another job (laughs) on top of what they're already doing. For me, it's really deepening relationships with each other, find the others, do our in-person meets uh, to the degree that we can do them given what's going on in your community around health. Uh, regulations and issues. I do not want another cocktail party ever again. (laughs) I want to be in conversations like this. I want to be sitting in circle with people and spending days together. 
at events or going and doing things together, going for walks together, doing something together. Um, not just having this like, tell me how you are, what's going on? And we ask these questions like sort of rote without like really deeply connecting. So I, I'd like to to deepen it, whatever that new organizing gathering thing's gonna be. Vicki Saunders is the founder of Coralis, previously CEO. She's based in Toronto, Canada. This is Design Influence. I'm Isabel Swiderski. Design Influence is an initiative of 725. Since 2007, we've been helping social innovators amplify their impact by designing brands, products, and services, and telling stories that matter so we can change the world together. Find out how we can help support your work at 725.com.